Right, well, good morning, church, and uh, Happy New Year. Hope you all had a great Christmas and survived all the excess eating and things that go along like that. Well, as, as this is the first Sunday of the new year, we thought we'd do things a little bit differently. The theme is New Beginnings, and today we're going to look at four things. First, we'll reflect on the past year, what happened to us, and what we can be grateful to God for. Now, I personally love testimonies. I just find them so encouraging. Now, if you have a short story or a testimony of what God has done for you last year, shortly you'll have an opportunity. Second, we're in a time of transition, and it's a time to move on and say goodbye to the past. And for this, we're going to look at Paul's address to the Ephesians. Third, a new season often is a time of change. And we're going to look at three examples of lives dramatically changed by God. Fourth and finally, just as the new year marks a rebirth, a new beginning and a new season, what is it that we need to do to be prepared? So quick prayer before we crack on. Father God, as we come to you today for the first time this year, make us receptive to your word. Help us to follow you more closely and love you more dearly. Please use me, your servant, to speak the truth, your word. And I pray that you would have a special message for each of us today. Well, we're going to start by looking back. The week before New Year is traditionally a time to look back over the year. The papers and the TV are full of every conceivable analysis and everyone has a review of the year. But what were the key events? People, politics, world events, the weather? And worst of all, what did the celebs do? I have to say on the world stage, it has been pretty awful and not that much better at home. An appalling demonstration of man's inhumanity to man. So I think we'll leave all of that alone. But it's also personal, a time for reflection. What happened in our own and family lives and what did we enjoy? What went wrong and so on? Well, my memory these days is not quite as good as it could be. So I keep a diary and I like to look back occasionally and see what was taking place. It is said the English are apparently obsessed with the weather and sad or not, I have a mini weather station in the back garden on top of the pergola. I find it interesting. A few highlights. The coldest day was the 17th of January with minus 6.7 degrees. The hottest day was the 13th of June with 32.2. And the worst time, 16th of September for a few days when the overnight temperature was over 25 degrees. Yeah, I do remember that. Whilst interesting, the more significant events for us largely evolve around family and close friends. Sadly of whom, two died 
one a believer and one not. And of course, during the year, we said goodbye to our beloved sister in Christ, Celine. Well, let me tell you a little bit about what happened to us. Our year as a family turned out to be quite eventful and certainly unexpected. Our year started with Wendy and I having COVID. And again, we got it this year, but slightly less bad. Otherwise, normal enough. Hannah, our daughter back in Oxford, fortnightly visits to mind our grandchildren in Westminster. And then there's the holiday booked, trips arranged in the camper, etc. All pretty good, a normal service, you might say. Then at the beginning, at the end of February, out of the blue, it all changed. And the year looked like becoming an annus horribilis. Our son, with no job, no accommodation, as their house was rented out. And what about the grandchildren? We were all distraught. It was quite overwhelming. That was 10 months ago. So let's fast forward a bit. They now live in Suffolk. Both have jobs, a house, the children in, in a new school, enjoying it and slowly making friends. But it wasn't easy. And there's still quite a long way to go, in particular, making new friends and putting the past behind. Was it the right thing to do? Were the right choices made? I don't know. Only God knows what his plan is for them. But there were so many random signs and events that I think it probably was. A secular view could be, what a load of coincidences. But I don't think so. At each turn, God's hand was clearly at work, showing and paving the way. So I said earlier, it's a time for reflection. So I'd like to share a few thoughts. First, it was dark and upsetting time for the whole family. We all prayed a lot that God would comfort us, in particular our son, wife and grandchildren, that he would care and be with them. We all needed support. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Jesus Christ. We still pray for them. Dramatic change takes some time to settle and issues take quite a while to heal. We prayed for signs and a clear direction for them. Is this the right move, the right place? Well, the house sellers were Christians. The purchase went through just in time for school places closing. A job became available. Trivia, but important, the house number is 13. The same as homes we have had over our last couple of moves. And there were many, many other signs. Isaiah 7.11 says, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Signs are important, but it requires ears to hear, eyes to see, and a willingness to understand what God may be leading us to. 
and a desire to seek the significance in what may appear to be random circumstances in our lives. Next, so many things happened at different times and involving different people. We prayed that God would have a plan, that we would not interfere with it, and he would make it happen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And similarly, Paul, when in jail in Rome, awaiting his trial and death, says, Do things God's way for God's glory and let him sort out the details. And finally, remember the slogan, let the train take the strain? Well, we prayed for ourselves that we would cope and that God would take the pressure from us. Matthew 11, 28, 29 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We need to be aware that God is there in the detail. It's easy in the dark not to see around us and not see the many things that God does for us, and we need to thank him for it. Well, we're now going to have a time where you can share your story, a short testimony, and whatever you would like to say, but saying thanks to our God for things that happened to you last year. It doesn't have to be large. It can be quite small. Right, who would like to start? Says he's looking to pick on someone. Anybody like to say thanks for last year? Yeah, I'd like to say thanks from last year, specifically in the church, because this is definitely a church of edification, um, not just for me and my family, but <clears throat> others I've noticed. I'm going to talk on behalf of the worship team, because the worship team has gone through massive changes this year, and we have some singers and uh, a keyboardist who have never done, never stood on stage, never sung properly before ever, and God has edified them and given them the courage to step up step in front of an audience and that's one of the hardest things to do when you're a musician you know you practice at home sing at home in the shower to have the boldness to stand up and sing and god has done that in this church and obviously we talked about selena and selena's been a big edifier in this church and that's what i'd like to thank god for in this church you know people edify each other in this church not openly necessarily but in private and I'd like to say I've seen it in action, Oak Tree, the prayer meeting as well, and, and in the church on the discussions that we have on Sunday after church. I'd like to thank God for that. And Lord, may it continue. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody like anybody else? Yeah, as a family, we were praying at that 2023 would be a, a year that we would, yeah, have a have a family, and so we're uh, so thankful for God for blessing us with um, with little Thea. Uh, so yeah, Lord, I just thank you so much that Lord, you always hear our prayers. Lord, you always know what's on our hearts. Uh, Lord, what troubles us. Uh, Lord, what we're longing for. And Lord, I just thank you that uh, Lord, you you heard our prayer. And you answered our prayer this year. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Amen.
partakers. Mike at the back. I'd like to thank God for new life. Um, Our son Luke lives in America, as many of you know, and they had a new baby seven months ago, Rosie, and he's starting a new job tomorrow, just like Tim is. In fact, they're both red-haired and very similar similar life stages, and we love them both. So uh, they're doing well over there, which is wonderful. Also want to thank God for new spiritual life. Um, Lord, I thank you for the way that you have worked in a few people here who have um, begun to come to our church recently during dark times of COVID when people were by themselves. You sovereignly spoke to a number of people about yourself and revealed your love to them. And and they have uh, responded and sought you and are really moving on uh, with you, Lord God. New, uh, new faith, new birth, new resolve, new desire, new passion for you. Thank you for the work that you have kindly, sovereignly done in those lives. Lord, please keep it going amongst us. Amen. Yes, I just want to thank God for the fact that uh, we've been looking around for a different church as a different season in our lives, Pradeep and I, who couldn't be here today. And um, it's been great to, m- to really become and feel much more part of this family here in Jubilee. And I thank God for that. And also a wonderful connect group, uh, Rooted, with Mike and Nicola and all the people part of the group have really welcomed us. And it's been so great. And uh, more than that, really, um, two and a half years ago, we didn't have any grandchildren. And there were issues w- with all the children. And the fact, uh, in fact, God just was amazing. And now we have three and and one of them is a miracle IVF baby as well. So it's really, we just feel so blessed. And uh, and just really pray, praying for a new season of um, being more involved in what God wants us to do in this next season. And part of that has been wonderful to be part of the women's faith group. And I've really been very blessed by that. And I do pray, Father God, that you just help Pradeep and I to just have a, a, a close walk with you in this coming days and years as we go through some health issues and other family issues that we would just know that you're with us at every moment. Amen. Good. I just want to thank God that we had a grandson uh, last year, um, Kai. He's seven months. But the other thing I want to thank God for is um, about five years ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and people were fervently praying for her, and they told me that she wasn't going to die from it, and praise God she wasn't. And on on Boxing Day, we actually had a generation of four generations around our table, and it was just so wonderful to have my mum, me, our son, Philip, and then baby Kai, and I just want to thank God that he just turns lives around for his glory. Praise you, Father. Right, thank you very much. What great stories, aren't they? You see, when you look back, it's really good because you can see things that you forget very quickly. And right there, God is at work in all those small things. Turning to God and putting your full trust in him isn't always easy, especially when life's full of uncertainties and everyone or everything seems to be against you. But his word tells us to trust in him, pray to him, and believe in his promises. 
2 Peter 1.4 says, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You see, God will supply all our needs, no matter what the circumstances. Remember, God has already lined up the events, both the trials and the joys in your life. He created us for a purpose and designed the trials in our life to help strengthen us and to see whether we turn to him when times get tough. God designed each of us as his own so we can rest assured that he is in control of every aspect of our lives. God helps us through our trials, even when we can't see the whole picture of where a specific trial may be taking us or what it might be teaching us. He will help us learn from them. So now we're going to transition a bit. We have The new year starts at midnight, one minute before it's the old year, and one minute past it's the new one. It's just like turning on a light or a tap. But most of the time, it's not sudden. It's gradual, more like a change in the seasons. Just as we say goodbye to winter and welcome spring can also mean saying goodbye to people we know as they also start on a new season. Reminds me of the quote from Romeo and Juliet. It's the only bit of Shakespeare I know. Parting is such sweet sorrow. We often say this when a loved one or great friends move away. And it's sad because they're no longer there. All we are left with are memories of happy times, the things we did with them and what they did for us. Today, Carney and Ugo are stepping down from their responsibilities at Jubilee and starting their transition to a, a new life in a new church. And yes, it's sorrowful, but we need to be mindful of the things they've done in the life of Jubilee Church and celebrate the difference they have made. One of the most famous goodbyes is Paul's farewell to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. Paul has spent three years in Ephesus. He planted the church, put leaders in place to care for the people, and set, had set up a biblical training school. At the end of his third and final mission trip, Paul is in a hurry to get to Jerusalem in time for the day of Pentecost. So he sailed by Ephesus and called for the leaders to meet him in Miletus, about 30 miles south of the city. This is the only time Paul exclusively addresses a group of elders. In Acts 20, 18 to 21, he reminds them of what has been achieved and how they should act. Does anybody need a Bible at this point? Okay, I'll carry on. So I'm going to read from Acts 18 to 21, starting in 18. When they arrived, he said to them, You know I have lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must 
turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So a couple of points coming from that. First, in verse 18, Paul reminds them that he'd served with transparency. What he did was totally open. His point is that we need to let people know what we're doing, what we're thinking, and when we have problems, share them by praying with fellow Christians. Second, he served with diligence and he taught them openly where he worked, in the markets, and he also went from house to house. He did not discriminate. He taught and preached to both Jews and Greeks, did not restrict himself to a few favourites, but spoke in any house open to him. His meetings were not private affairs. Anyone could attend. And he was among one of the most accessible of religious leaders. Third, in verse 19, we learn how he served. Served with great humility. Paul was a very caring man, passionate and earnest. He loved the truth, but he also loved his fellow believers. He did not rule the Ephesus church, but rather authority was in the hands of a group of elders who shared the leadership. He had fortitude. Paul reminds the elders that despite being severely tested, he served the Lord. He urges them that they must keep on going despite the circumstances. Think about it. The church would never have survived the last 2,000 years if Christians hadn't possessed a faith strong enough to endure bitter persecution. Today's society is increasingly secular and hostile towards us. We need to follow Paul's example, be strong and hold our ground. I like to think Paul was respected and successful in his mission because he associated with those most in need. He worked, applying his trade as a tent maker. He managed to support himself and his companions and he had something left over to give to the poor. He led by example, showing them what to do and how to behave. And he reminded them that Jesus said it was more blessed to give than to receive and that they should always support their weaker members. Both for Paul and the elders at Ephesus and the believers, it was sad. Paul knew he had to move on. And that meant the elders would have to get on with it without him. But also with Paul's departure, things would be different. Often, this time of year signals a new start or a beginning, a change in one's life, a new opportunity, the start of a journey, a reset or a new season. Although Tim and Emma are not leaving us, they are entering a new season and need to make changes as their priorities and responsibilities are different, a new baby and a new job. William Pollard, a physicist and a Episcopal, Episcopal, oh, I don't know why I put these words in, Um, no hope at all, priest famously said, without change there's no innovation, creativity or incentive for improvement. 
those who initiate change will have a better opportunity to manage the change that is inevitable. Well, change is a bit of a problem because most of us just aren't comfortable with it. We quite like the way things are, and at worst, we often resist it. And the Bible is full of such stories, people or nations resisting God's will. And I have to say, mostly, it doesn't end well for them. Conversely, the Bible is also full of examples of new beginnings, where God has intervened. People have done his will, and as a result, their lives have been significantly changed. To illustrate this, I picked out a few examples. The first one, you may be familiar with it, is the woman in the world, at the well. She was of dubious character and certainly not respectable. But Jesus knew her life story and offered her something she had been longing for. Freedom from a life of shame and disgrace. And when she got that freedom, she didn't keep it to herself. John chapter 4, 29 to 30 says, The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And the result? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Next example is Joseph. He was thrown into a pit by his older brothers and sold to slavery. He was promoted to work for a palace official and then thrown into jail after a false allegation. But whilst there, he interpreted other prisoners' dreams. Then when Pharaoh had dreams, a prisoner remembered Joseph. And he was then brought to Pharaoh and able to explain it to him. In Genesis 41, 26 and 20, verses 26 and 27, we get the key part. The seven good cows and seven good heads of grain were seven good years. And the seven thin, sick-looking cows and the seven thin heads of grain meant that there will be seven years of hunger in this area. There was going to be a famine and something needed to be done. Joseph then says in verse 33, Pharaoh, you should choose a wise, intelligent man and put him in charge of Egypt. Pharaoh listens and later we read, Joseph is appointed prime minister and goes on to save a nation and his own family from starvation. What a series of setbacks and changes Joseph had but God is there and he prevails he is behind it he is the one with a plan the final example is the apostle Paul and it's probably one of the most profound stories of new beginnings in the Bible Paul changed from hater and persecutor of Christians to believer evangelist church planter apostle and finally martyr all of these people had their own plans for their lives, but they were fundamentally changed when God interceded. To move forward, they had to change their ways and what they were doing. They had to accept a new direction to look forward and not back. And because they accepted God and did his bidding, they were blessed and rewarded. It tells us that if we could 
keep looking behind ourselves, we'll not be able to see forward. So we must leave the past behind. And that requires that we embrace change. Because without change, we cannot move forward. It's one thing learning lessons from the past, but dwelling on it, that things that could have done, didn't do, or could have happened, might be interesting, but it really isn't helpful. It prevents us looking at the opportunities ahead or in the future. And so what does a new season hold for us? Another favourite activity at this time of year is predicting the future, or more realistically, what the year ahead will be like. The usual suspects from a wide spectrum of society make a range of forecasts which over time prove largely wrong and are often overtaken by unpredictable or unprecedented events. Just look at last year. So much for secular expertise. At Jubilee, we also had our fair share of changes and some, I'm quite sure, were unsettling if only because it was different to what we'd been used to. But just like the Apostle Paul, Carney and family, Tim and Emma, we are all moving into a new season. But what is in store for us and what does a new beginning look like? Well, for a start in May, we will have a new pastor to lead us. Now, who would have thought that this time last year that that would be the case and that would happen? But looking back, there were signs that God was at work. Now, you won't know this, but the elders and trustees struggled with whether we could afford a new leader as our finances were a bit tight. That's accounting speak. In English, it means we were bust, pretty close. It was really crunch time, and Matt called a meeting after church one Sunday to discuss it. Amazingly, on that same day, just after the service had finished and before our discussion, I was handed an envelope and there was a check in it for exactly the difference between what we could afford and what we needed to afford. Second, how incredible that not only has God provided us with a pastor, but Keith and Vanola are known to and loved by many and that they themselves are personally drawn to Jubilee. Now, how amazing is that? So I have to say I'm optimistic about what God has in store for Jubilee. Other things have also happened. We've been fortunate getting grants to support bags of food, Oak Tree Cafe and the Bread Cafe, and better still, an opportunity to expand what we do for the folks in Shepparton. These are a great start, and I'm minded of Zechariah 4.10, which says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begins. Do not despise small beginnings is a phrase that encourages us to appreciate the value of starting small and not to underestimate the power of a small beginning. It is a reminder that the great things often start from humble beginnings. The secret to persistence in Christian service, like the Apostle Paul, is found in serving others with transparency, diligence and tears, being humble, 
and showing grace to all, each other. Most significantly, it's based on remembering that God is, has called us to serve those Jesus purchased with his own blood on the cross. There is an expression, as one door shuts, another opens. And I guess that sums up my personal view, along with every problem is an opportunity. If we're going to make the most of a new season, we need to be prepared, both visibly and spiritually. So visibly, well, if we must fix the car to start a journey, or it needs fuel, we're not going to get off to a good start. If, and I do believe, God has a plan for Jubilee and Shepparton, then we need to ready ourselves. Our building is 20 years old, and there are jobs we need to do, some urgent, some less so. As we grow, and we are, we will need more volunteers to help with church life and outreach. Oak Tree Cafe now regularly has over 20 attendees, and the Bread Cafe is becoming increasingly popular. I probably said this in my last preach, but 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into, the, in, into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. It's a really great message of how much stronger we are when we work together using the mix of talents that God has given us. We need your help. We do. This is a great time to consider your personal gifts and ask, how can I serve? What could I do? How can I help? When I look back, I often think, why on earth did I do that? Usually a job. Or why did that happen? And it's only years, many years later, that I see that I was being prepared to use a skill or an experience in the future. And spiritually, it's a new year, so why not give our spiritual life a bit of a kickstart? Well, briefly look back, but don't dwell on it. But consider, did we do all the things we should have done? Did we do things that we shouldn't have done? And just be mindful and ask for God's forgiveness and help us to get on the right track for the new year. Our behavior, was it good, was it bad? What changes can I make? And what examples can I read that I should be like? And then looking forward, Resurrect your spiritual life. Set some faith goals. Pray each day. Get some Bible notes and do, do read the Bible. Set aside time to think and pray. Get a notebook to list things, situations and people to pray for. And try and join in Jubilee prayer sessions on Monday evenings. Pray about your gifts and how they could be used. Every little counts, and we're all equal in God's eyes, and what we all do has the same value. And as much as we might like to, we can't do everything, but when we can do something, let's do our very best, no matter what the circumstances are. There's nothing as powerful as sharing your testimony, so please share it whenever 
and wherever the opportunity arises. God will help you know when and how to overcome any fears you may have. And finally, the new year is a great time to look back and see what God has done for you. Look into the detail and even in the dark, you'll see his hand at work. If you're going to be renewed, you need to close the door on the past. Reflect on it, yes, but use it to learn and motivate you to move forward. It is a great time to start a new chapter in our spiritual journey. We are all here for a purpose. And my prayer is that we at Jubilee will be instrumental in bringing and seeing more people coming to faith, coming to Christ, and coming to our church here. God bless you. Amen. Whilst the band comes up, I will... Uh, <coughs> whilst the band's getting ready, I'll just close in prayer. Father God, as we look back, it is so easy to see the bad experiences, what went wrong and the sadness. <coughs> Help us to see... <coughs> It is hard when you reflect and look back. Help us to see your guiding light in the darkness that surrounds us. Help us to feel your presence, that we are not alone, and that you are there with us all the way. As we look to the new year, help us to be positive, to see the opportunities, and to use the gifts that you have given us to further your kingdom. Amen. <laughs>